Hey there, welcome to ATL in 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Uh, I've got Tyler Jones with me. We're going to talk about Alex and Alex. That would be uh, Alex Len and Alex Poitras, who reportedly the Hawks are signing today. But uh, but before we get started, I got a question for you, Tyler. Uh, my youngest daughter is going to college in a couple of weeks. Probably, I guess it's three weeks. I guess it's a little bit of a relief. But uh, I told her is she, she a could, freshman. She's going to be a freshman. So I'm going to oh, I'm going to be an empty oh, nester. Oh. But I made the mistake of telling her that she could have my car. So I have to buy a car sometime in the next three weeks. Oh. Uh, and any oh, any good recommendations for used cars? Um, Nissan Altimus. Uh, that's my used car and. It's 2007 model and it still, you know, still runs pretty smooth. So, you know, Nissan Auto is a great car. They don't sponsor us, so that was just no. a free plug. Yeah, for, uh, whatever dealership they do. But I'm afraid I'm going to have uh, listeners try to sell me a car. That might happen. I mean, you know, everybody's just trying to get on their get on their hustle, trying to make their bucks. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at them if they did it, but uh, you know. Maybe try an auction if you if you're uh, if one's available. So that yeah. you know that's another way to find a relatively good car for the a cheaper price. But that's way way too serious. Uh, oh, okay. I really, but uh, yeah. But if, if I were you, I'd I'd look at an Altima used. You can you could typically find a good deal at a dealership somewhere. Okay. That's good. I don't have really have any particular uh, important places to go. The worst thing that could happen is I like show up late for a game or something next season when it starts. But that uh, that gets us back to basketball, and uh, let's let's talk about Alex Len first. Uh, what do you think about that signing? Uh, getting him from Phoenix. Uh, you know, that was a pretty good signing. Uh, it's a very low risk, you know, decent ceiling, you know, signing, you know, you know that Alex Lynn is an NBA rotation player. Uh, he, he's proven that over the past couple of seasons defensively. And, uh, this past season, he took some steps into really cutting the fat from his offensive game. He stopped with the shout out to Mark Deeks, Mark Deeks, who, uh, if you're an NBA fan, he's a great follow at Mark Deeks. Uh, I think NBA or something, but uh, right. he's a great guy to follow, and he 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 has an eye for like for like talent like Alex Lynn, and he kind of charted how you know Alex pretty much cut uh, mid range and post ups from his game, and it really helped his efficiency. And you know during the season before the Suns were really going into the tank, he he was putting up some legitimately great numbers. He just wasn't getting the minutes because you know Lynn wasn't in their future pr- plans, but yeah, you know, Lynn's a great rebounder. Uh, good, you know, his defensive profile is strong uh, on both ends, and he's just—he's what the Hawks. You know, every team needs a big body. Uh, I don't, so this is probably going on a tangent, but you know, we always hear about the NBA is going small and how the game is changing. It's moving away from players like Alex Lynn. Yeah, I don't buy that completely. Uh, maybe you can push back on, push back uh, my opinion on that. But to me, I think there's, to me, there's always going to be a place for somebody of Alex Lynn's talents, which is basically rebounding, shot blocking, you know, uh, rim protecting at the rim and uh, rolling, setting good screens on offense because. You know, if you play small ball, you are losing something in that you're not getting those, you know, those, uh, you know, these those screen actions. You're not you're not really getting that separation when when your your small uh, center is setting setting a screen compared to somebody as big as Alex Lynn. So I, I don't know if Alex Lynn is a good or good or a bad screener, but you know, the, those are those are the you know upsides that aren't you know you can't really chart with stats. Box score stats that, right. you know, 
that he could potentially improve here in Atlanta. Um, so, and if he can, you know, he, he's something, somebody that the Hawks are, are going to need, you know, um, currently they, they need a big after letting Muscala go. And, uh, you know, Deadman, Deadman's good, good on both ends of the floor, but you always want to have another option in case, you know, Deadman goes down. You don't want, you know, no disrespect to Miles Plumley, but you really don't want to see Miles on the floor. Uh, it, I, that that sounds worse. It's just, yeah, it's just the nature of it. You know, you 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 just want you want somebody better at that at that spot at the backup center position. And you know, to me, Alex Lynn is a massive upgrade on Plumlee, and he's also better at his role as a physical big man than Mike Muscala was as a stretch five. And to me, you know, it's it's just a quality upgrade to the roster. Yeah. You had a lot of points I wanted to touch on. Yeah. The shout out to Mark Deeks. He's he's currently kicking my behind in the uh international hoops draft where we're going through I think like twelve rounds of drafting international players and he knows like forty five times as much about these international players as I do. So I'm I'm struggling to keep my chin above water <laughs> in that one I, but uh oh I, yeah i don't i think i think he's a ringer in his own little game so I, oh yeah i don't see how that's fair yeah. so but uh yeah he's he's way up there but you mentioned also uh the plumley thing that's interesting because it's like i don't think there's any argument that that where you would say that plumley is better necessarily but I mean, there is some value to trying to make a reclamation project of him, make him appealing or palatable to somebody else. Maybe you can trade him next year when he just has one year left on his deal. But I guess at the same time, it's like they tried that last year, right? There was that one month where just out of the blue, they're like, oh, Plumlee's going to start. And, you know, I think that was... Oh, my do not even remind me about that one month where I mean, Miles Plumlee was starting over. I don't think that was necessarily Deadman. a coaching decision. I think it was, I mean, if it was a coaching decision, maybe it was something where they said, you know what, let's get Deadman next to Collins because that's really what matters. But I think it was probably just, hey, let's see what we have in Plumlee. This season is shot. Maybe we can coach him up and make a player out of him. And I think they took that shot last season, so it's probably not worth rehashing it all again this season which I guess takes us back to why Alex Len makes sense an entire month of basketball where Dwayne Dedman and John Collins both came off the bench I mean they they were like the most amazing bench front court combination in terms of rebounding that I think they we've were ever seen it. like they were killing it yeah, they were both they were both getting like eight I, I, rebounds a game off the bench, and I guess you know if you don't get into double figures, maybe people don't notice as much. But you're playing bench minutes, and each guy's getting like eight a game. That's that's like really dominating. Now, now to be fair, we I don't want to rehash too much, but they they were <laughs> Miles Plumlee was starting, but he wasn't finishing. So, it, no. I, and I see what you're saying, where you know maybe they tried the reclamation, and you know to Miles Plumlee's credit, he wasn't. He was fine. Uh, fine. You know, he was much better than what he was uh, last year. Uh, It seems like a lot of his problems is just he can't really stay healthy. And, you know, it, you know, when you're, when you're, you're, you're basically a rough and tumble big, but you have durability issues. It's kind of hard to build up your value because, you know, other teams are just looking at it like, I mean, He's going to get, you know, if he gets more minutes, if he keeps continues to play these quality and caliber of minutes, he's going to, he's potentially going to re-injure himself. So, you know, Plumlee was in a tough spot. He, he was, he was hurt last season. I, to me, it's just, you know, Alex Lynn has a potential. You can, see, you can see a path to Alex Lynn being a starter, starting center for the Hawks for the next two or three years, depending on what happens with this roster. And, you know, that's just due to Plumlee's age and other factors, that's just not in the cards for him. So it's a, it's an upside play on that, uh, I would say. Yep. Uh, 
you mentioned when you were talking about Deeks, you mentioned that he cut some of the fat out of his game. I, I went and looked up some of the numbers. Um, in the 2015-16 season, he took 63% of his shots within five feet of the rim. And then he bumped that up to 71% the next season. Last season, he took 90% of his shots within five feet of the rim. I mean, he just abandoned the mid-range entirely and just focused on what he could do, which is try to make baskets around the rim. So he really did, you know, cut the fat out of his game. Uh, I think that's very interesting that that he can do that. But I think he's, I think his primary value, and you hit on this earlier, you said maybe it's sort of unknowable, but I think he's an excellent screener. I mean, I think when you look at starting centers, normally, in my opinion, you want to have one of two things. You want them to be, you know, an absolute freak athlete, which helps them with rebounding and diving to the rim, or you want them to be able to shoot. And, you know, Alex Len isn't really going to do either one of those. But I think he's going to be something, you know, one of the players that's vexed me over the last few years is is Marcin Gortat, and I know he's not great, but he does a lot for Washington just in terms of like what he does screening. Sometimes it's legal, sometimes it's not legal, but he's opening stuff up for his offense, and I think Alex Len has that kind of game. I mean, he's not a great shooter, and he's not a great athlete, but he's big. And he does some other things that I want to talk about in a minute. But I think his primary value he, is going to be to set screens huge. for Trey Young. Yep, yep. He's, he's a big boy. But uh, he, he, he's big, and he's a. I mean, he's not a. He's not like an elite athlete, but he's for his size, he moves. Right. Like he, he's he's quick in the sense that you, you know, somebody that big, seven one over two sixty. Uh. You know he he can move well for him. He, he he, you know he's not a non-athlete. Let me put it that way. Right. He, he's got he's got some mobility to him, man. Uh, just another thing. You know you you said Gortat's not not a great. I I disagree because we I think he's been one of the like the Wizards are going to miss him tremendously. Oh, he's I... been like a a big reason why the Wizards have been as good as they've been over these past couple of years is that Marching Gortat has just been such a steadying force for them as a screener, a rim runner, because he just does his job. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he's great as a rim what, runner, but but as a screen setter, wait till they have Dwight Howard try to set a screen and they see the difference between one of the best two or three screen setters out of starting centers and one of the two or three worst screen setters out of the starting centers in the NBA because Dwight's not good at it. I I feel Wizards fans deserve, deserve better than Dwight Howard. <laughs> I, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but, you know, I'll, you know, it's funny. I'm saying all this, but I, I would not be surprised if Pierce has Alex Lynn shooting threes just because why not, you know, um, I mean, if you're going to choose between him shooting mid-range shots or shooting threes, I think it'll be threes. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, he'll be more, just for the space and purposes, they're sure. going to, you know, they're going to see if they, you know, because they did it with Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne yep. didn't even take a jumper before last season. And I would fully expect, like, Alex Smith has shown capabilities of a jumper. Uh, he just he he took it all away just to focus on what he was good at offensively, so that because before he was such a liability with his mid range because uh, he just wasn't efficient enough to be taking the shots that he was taking. So it felt like when he what he was trying to do was justify him being the fifth pick uh, in in a weak draft, and you know it kind of hurt his effect overall effectiveness on the game. But you know last season he was really good and. Uh, on, uh, you know, he wasn't good off it. Let me, let me correct myself. He wasn't good offensively, but what he wasn't doing was being a liability anymore because he was just doing his job, what they needed him to do in that, in Phoenix, in Atlanta, you know, he should have a bit more spacing, play with much, a much better passer than Trey Young. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think 
people are going to be relatively surprised by how good Alex Lynn looks in a Hawks uniform to me. I've, I've kind of always, you know, he's just one of, he's just one of those, you know, bigs that, I mean, he's, if you're a Hawks fan, you understand that one of the biggest weaknesses of the Hawks for the past, what, 10 or 12 years has been rebounding it. Right. You know, it's, it's refreshing that the Hawks now have two guys and Dwayne Dedman and Alex Lynn, who if a shot goes up, they're going to get the rebound. Like there's, there's not going to be an offensive rebound opportunity when they're on the floor. So it's just, it's a luxury. He's a, he's a great luxury that the Hawks are able to get him for, you know, really, you know, for market value for what, what he's shown in the league. But I think he's got some upside that is going to shock some, some people who maybe, who maybe didn't see the improvement that he made last season. If you look at his regular statistics, it's like you look it up and it's like, okay, this is a shooting percentage, points per game, rebounds per game. It's like fine, 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 nothing exciting. He's all over the hustle stats that are tracked on NBA.com. And it's things that you want from a center. Like, you know, one we talked about him setting screens. He was third in the NBA in screen assists per 36 minutes. So, you know... Number one was Zaza Pachulia. He's, again, you know, one of those guys who's, you know, a moving screen dream. And, he, you know, he's good at setting regular screens, too, but he's not afraid to, to nudge a little bit extra, too, sometimes. I mean, he's – I don't think there's any debate that Zaza is a very good screen setter. You know, and then it's Ed Davis, then Len, then Epe Udo, and Sala Mejri, who I think, you know, is – kind of underrated as a screen center and a roller. He's he's a pretty good player, but I think that's a really good sign that that Len is in in that group of players. But another hustle stat that uh that he shows up in and again, it's the per 36 because he was coming off the bench for a lot of last season. Uh, he's in the he's fifth in box outs per 36 minutes, which is good. I mean, you know, it's a nice stat the box outs thing. Usually when you look up the guys that are high in the box-out numbers, it's the guys who aren't necessarily great rebounders, like Robin Lopez is one, you know, notoriously one of the guys who's very good at boxing out, uh, but then somebody else comes in and gets the rebound. Um, you know, Steven Adams in Oklahoma City is usually up there. He's kind of boxing out and letting Russell Westbrook come in and get a bunch of them. But one of the things I like about Len is that he's not only good at the box-outs and has that high you know, box-out per minute rate, but he's also getting 26% of defensive rebounds. So, like, he's mixing in the, the box outs and getting some of the rebounds, which, you know, he, he, that 26.7 rebound percentage on the defensive end, that's, you know, the comparable player in that range is like Rudy Gobert. So if you're cleaning it up around that rate, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's a, he's a great rebounder, and, you know, to me – it's more important that when you're on the floor that your team is a great rebounding team more than the individual. Exactly. Um, you know, John, you know, John Collins is a like a great rebounder, right. Uh, on both ends. But at the same time, when he was playing center, you know, Hawks couldn't grab a defensive rebound, even though his, his individual numbers were fine, but it just illustrated how, you know, his weakness in the game was that he just wasn't big enough and strong enough to hold off the centers in the league right. uh, from uh, just tipping the ball and yeah. tipping it away from – you know, it, there were other issues, but, it like, you know, if you have a Dwayne Dedman or Alex Lynn, you're not going to be – you're going to be a good defensive rebounding team, and that's as a whole, as a unit. And that's that's going to be important because, you know, that's something we saw with Trey Young. He didn't really grab that many rebounds. He's not – He's just not that big, and he's not that sure. strong. He's not going to be going for. So that's that's they, the Hawks need to be playing him with guys who can really clean up on the glass, so as to you know keep keep him keep you know just to hide his weaknesses as much as possible. Uh, you know, you it's interesting. You cited those those bigs who were uh, you know leading you know leading the NBA in a screen assist or. Uh, screens is to that nature, and they play all played on teams that had, you know, players similar to what the Hawks want Trey Young to be, and 
you know, I think, you know, I think one of the biggest, the, one of the biggest prospects, um, aspects of signing Alex Lane, probably the, the strongest is that, you know, he's going to help Trey Young move off the ball by setting great screens for him off the ball to get him open. Um, not just setting great screens as a pick and roll guy, but really setting those hammering screens that you have to set to get, to get these defenders off your, you know, your elite shooter. Um, You can say the same with Herter as well. So, you know, out, you know, it's great that it's great that the Hawks are identifying talent that fits uh, the prospects they want to promote. Um, and uh, I think Alex Lane's going to do a lot to help, really help Trey Young on both ends of the floor. I think that's the number one reason they got him. Right? I, th- I think that's it. But uh, let me let me put one other thing out there, and you tell me what you think of this. And actually, let's let me back it up even further because this reminds me a little bit of Plumley too. Plumley, I don't know. You watch him on TV, and he's a really good athlete. Like, you stand next to him when he's doing stuff, he's freaking unbelievable. He's an unbelievably explosive athlete. Like, he needs to get better at catching the ball and stupid things like that. But just in terms of raw athleticism, he's unbelievable. And the reason I bring this up is this, because I think it affects Len, too. Look at who he's played with at point guard. Like... He's been playing with Eric Bledsoe. He's been playing with Alfred Payton. He hasn't really been playing with the guys that are going to get him the ball in the right spots. Like, if he's as good a screen setter as I think he is, if he's playing with somebody who can really get him the ball, and I think Trey Young is going to be one of those guys who can really get people the ball, I think that's. I think there's a little bit of room for improvement just in terms of who he has getting the ball to him because that's what big guys are always dependent on. You know, going to Plumlee last season, you know, all that athleticism, I don't think it ever really got used all that well. You know, when you're, when you're starting games and you're starting next to Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder is very good at certain things in the NBA. Using a lob guy isn't one of them. And, you know, I think Plumlee's going to have a better season if he plays some with Trey Young. I think Alex Len is really going to have an improvement in terms of, you know, getting things out of the role game just because he's playing with Trey Young and Jeremy Lin. I, you know, Alex Lin's Phoenix situation was tough. Um, I don't want to lay that at the feet as the players around here. I, I just, I just think he wasn't in a very structured environment. Sure. For him to succeed as a basketball player, right? Uh, it, it, so it'll be interesting how Lloyd how Lloyd Pierce's system is, and, and you know we we got a glimpse of it in summer league, but that's really not much to go off of. We're we're kind of used to Bud's system. We 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 know it. We know it. We know the ends and outs of Bud's system, but we don't really know how Lloyd Pierce wants to run his offense outside of he wants to shoot a lot of threes, which is great to me, right? But you know, we we gotta see if there's some actual legitimate structure to it, or if it's gonna be your turn, my turn. Hopefully, it's the former, and not the latter. But you know, with a young team and, and a new coach, there's a entire possibility where you know Alex Lane comes to a new a new situation. But it's kind of like how he had in Phoenix, where it's a bunch of guys who are trying to instead of playing team basketball, and no fault of their own as players. I'm not trying to knock the players. Or really, the coach. It, the situation was really poor, so I, I wouldn't. You know, I get uncomfortable saying that. Hey, X guy never really played with a point guard because that's you know that 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 rounds to excuse making to me. Um, there's, you know, the great, the good, the great basketball players find a find a way to make it work regardless of who they're playing with. Yeah, but he's not. Uh, I mean, Alex Lynn isn't great, yeah, but. Yeah, he no, could no, be no, very no. good. But, but I'm saying though, there there are ways that there are ways until you know, eat this passing that things that Alex Lynn can improve on to you know make himself available, sure. get himself open. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't think Alex Lynn's just, hands, just, for example, yeah. are incredible. Like, I mean, I don't think he's a a natural pass catcher the way that like John Collins is. Like, you throw John Collins the ball, and you know he he said he used to be a soccer goalie and. 
when you're throwing him a lob or any kind of pass in the paint, you kind of see it. Like, he just vacuums the ball up. I don't think Len is like that. I don't think Plumlee's like that. And those are the guys that are just dying for a point guard, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I, I think I'm of the opinion that big guys are so dependent on who gets them the ball. Like, Len, Alex Len isn't making his own plays, except for the screens that he sets. But after that, he's dependent on everybody else. It's okay. I don't know. We can so disagree. I play, I play, no, no, no. I play football. I just don't buy this excuse that if you're good at catching, like, you should be able to catch. Uh, that's not some, you know, catching is a talent, but at the same time, sorry, I got I to gotta, I gotta dismiss this. That, that's just something I'm like, uh, Miles Plumley can't catch. So it's, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna throw the ball to somebody. Who, like it's hard to like the NBA is hard, man. It, it's, it is it's hard. a hard league, and it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of really talented guys playing um, with and against each other. But at the same time, you know, you can't really expect you know the playmakers of a team to continue to feed somebody who can't consistently make the simple play. And that's something that Alex Lynn really needs to improve on if he wants to be a starting NBA basketball player in this league is his hands. If he wants, if he wants, uh, you know, a fat contract, he's got to make that catch. I mean, he has to make that catch. You can't expect any basketball player to to throw you a perfect pass every time. You got to be able to make adjustments. Even the, even Steve Nash will throw you five or six bad ones a game. You still got to make that catch if it's in your catch radius. That's just, that's just that's just the nature of being a professional to me. So, I, like I, I I hear what you're saying, but I I gotta I gotta you know I I'm a you know there's just I don't know I don't I don't buy into you know he hasn't really ex player really hasn't played with a point guard so now if he does he's he's gonna be better that that I I don't know that just that just that's just a convenient excuse that we kind of build up for certain guys that. You know, I heard it with Dwight Howard a lot. And, I, you know, the good ones, you know, the good basketball players, like even like take a Robin Lopez, like he finds a way. Uh, and, you know, that's something that maybe Allison Lane could look towards as a, you know, as a role model on both ends of the floor as a, as a basketball player. Just, you know, you find a way uh, to carve out space for yourself to create that easy passing lane so it's not such – it doesn't have to be a pinpoint pass every time. I think that if you really want to break it down to why Alex Lane and Miles Fomey struggle so much, that they just don't have the natural touch necessary to finish around the basket against high-level competition. Um, Alex Lane has, has, to me, more talent than Plumlee at doing that. He he, he was much better this past season. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it's just – we don't have that natural touch and natural feel. Like compare compare what we're talking about here to what John Collins and even Dwayne Devin did last season. You know they, you know Dwayne does, Dwayne Devin doesn't have great hands either, but he nope. made it work as a as a as a basketball player and as a talent. So, you know there there are ways that there are ways to create lanes for yourself as an off as a big that you know maybe Alex Lynn could learn from a Dwayne Devin. Uh, going forward uh, this upcoming season. Okay. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I agree with you to the extent I'm like one play, but I think in, just in the aggregate, just, you know, the average pass is more accurate. And then if the average pass is more accurate, it affects, you know, what's the average, you know, difficulty of the shot attempt that you take. I just think in the aggregate, you know, on one play, you know, if the center drops the ball, he drops the ball. But I think if he's just routinely getting the ball in a better spot on average, I don't know. I think it matters. But let me ask you a separate question. So Muscala went out. Alex Len comes in. Muscala played on occasion some power forward. Does does this mean, you know, and Alex Len is purely a center. Do we get more Torian Prince at power forward? That depends on if Torian Prince is going to play with the the physicality necessary to do it. I think he can. I, I, 
it a lot of a lot of his, like it you ideally you would love to see Torian Prince play to uh play so a lot a lot more forward than what he did these past two seasons. Uh, if you remember his rookie season, he was really good at contesting shots at the rim. Oh, I remember just getting his hands up, being <laughs> physical. Yeah, he was super. He was and, good. Like, but and he like, wasn't. I- I think that's his, you know, he was at Baylor and they played a zone defense and he played power forward at Baylor for most of the time. I think that's, that's in a way his comfort zone. That's what he's used to. Yeah. And then this, this, you know, past season, it was, it was kind of up and down for him defensively. So, you know, I think they, if you want to ask my honest opinion, I think they wanted to play Torian at the four last, even last season, but, um, the lineups with Torian at the four just didn't work. Now with somebody as uh, big as Alex Lynn, you know, maybe maybe we have some maybe 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 it can work. Uh, you know, with Alex Lynn playing the five and Torian at the four, just off the strength that Alex Lynn is going to gobble up every rebound, and that was something Torian was really weak at, and you you know um, this past so maybe. He can, you know, it, it depends on Torrance improvements. If he gets stronger, if he gets, you know, you know, just a bit more wait, athletic. Wait, stop, pause, possible. freeze, wait, wait, wait. Did he get strong? Did you see the picture that he posted on Twitter the other day? I did not. He looked huge. He's playing in the Drew League out in Los Angeles. There's a picture of him. He looks really pumped. Like, he's jacked. <laughs> I think he's been lifting. Maybe it's an uh, illusion good, too. Good. Sometimes these are illusions, but that one picture, it's like, oh wow. <laughs> well, he's he's always been a big guy. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't big. say he wasn't ripped before then, but you know, hopefully, like you know, hopefully that pick is a sign of things to come for him that he gets, you know, a bit stronger so he doesn't get pushed around um, on the glass if he is going to play the four. I personally, I probably don't see if you want my honest opinion i think what this alex lynn um signing suggests is that john collins is almost exclusively going to play a power forward this season okay um just you know except in certain situations where a team goes small then yeah they'll pay they'll put collins up to five but to me, you we kind of saw it in summer league where John really just only played the four uh, exclusively. And I think, I, you know, I think they want to protect John a bit, um, probably from himself, uh, just because of how <laughs> physical he is, and maybe yeah. lessen his lessen his load and uh, keep him away from the behemoths behemoth of the NBA and, you know, really try not to push it. You know, I, you know, he'll, he'll play five against the outworlds of the world, but he won't be going up against, you know, Dwight Howard or Robin Lopez again, like he was last season. I think, I think this, that this is another aspect of why they, they signed Alex Lynn is that one, they, they see some upside with him potential with his shooting. As we talked with, with, he did have a mid range, like he had a mid range. He, he wasn't good at it, but he did have a functional jumper from mid range. So maybe the Hawks are going to try to expand his range from three point, like they did with Deadman. Yeah. And also just to be another big body to keep the big bodies off of John. Um, because, you know, John's a physical guy. I, you know, I, he he's a four. If you want to label a position with John, he's probably a four point five. Yep. So, you know, to me, they're they're probably just going to try to play John more at the four as often as possible, except on certain. You know, except you know he'll, he'll play he'll play some he'll play some summer every night, but it won't it won't be you know the fifteen plus minutes that he was playing center last season. He might be the closing center. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, you know, maybe in certain matchups with Dwayne Deadman and John Collins might flip the – just depending on who's bigger or, or what, what, what strength and weakness that, sure. that particular big has. Right. Because uh, they're, they're kind of interchangeable as talents. But I think Alex Lynn is just a, another big body the Hawks can have that they can rely on so as to not throw John Collins out there at center against, you know, large opponents where he – he just physically can't keep him off the glass. So 
Well, we'll see. Uh, ideally, you would like to see Torian play play some four. It would add to his versatility. It would, you know, it it really help him. Uh, but you know, it's it's funny. Torian did really well this last month, month and a half, being the primary playmaker. Oh yes. When Dennis Schroeder went down. Yes. Um. So. You know, he really wouldn't be playing the four in that situation. He'd really be just a, you know, he'd be a three uh, or a point forward, if you will, right. um, in certain lineups. So, you know, you know, this this roster has a lot of versatility to it. So, so it's hard to, it's going to be tough to see what the Hawks are going to do with their rotations until, you know, the season starts and we get, and, you know, even preseason starts and we get a, a rough idea what, what, uh, Lloyd Pierce wants to do with this team, but uh, you know, yeah, you could see, you could see, you could definitely see um, uh, Prince playing some more four. Probably, I'd probably look more for uh, guys like Justin Anderson and even Alex Portrus to play the four, right? Um, just because they're more, their offensive game is way more limited uh, than Torian's is, and right. they're a bit, they're stouter, you know, as as uh, physical. Uh, basketball players, um, so you probably see them play the four more often than Torian. Um, so okay, because I mean, even if you remember last year, it was Ken Bazemore playing the four uh, when they went small. Like it'd be it'd be hilarious to watch, but that's that's the position he was playing defensively. Uh, he was playing the four while Torian was uh, guarding wings. Really? Um, so. I remember yeah, Bazemore yeah, yeah, playing yeah, the four. Was, I just I can't piece it oh, as as Ken happening Bazemore simultaneously with Prince. Yep, they were doing it with with both of them on the floor because it was something. Um, Actually, it, it was it was something. It, it they were doing it because I uh, they were doing it primarily because Ken Bazemore was just functionally a better rebounder and you know at the four there's more defensive responsibilities in Bud's system than than at small four based on what what he was having Kent Bazemore do because there was just some things, um, okay. you know, there's scheme-wise, scheme-wise, I think it was more more than ability that Torrey really wasn't getting at with the four, so maybe they're trying to lessen load at the three. So I think I think they they might take the training wheels off this season with him. And, you know, he, he has the size to play it, but, you know, that's just something to keep track of that it was actually, you know, Bazemore who was, you know, guarding one through fours last season. You know, part of why a lot of people say that Bazemore is probably the best basketball player on this team is his versatility defensively mm-hmm. and his, you know, and his improved shot making as a three-point shooter. So we'll see. Uh, there's there's a lot of guys who can play multiple positions except for really you could probably say Jeremy Lin and Alex Lin. Uh, no, not Jeremy. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeremy Lin can play the two. Uh, Trey That's Young true. and Alex Lin yep. are probably the only two guys who can, who are exclusively one and five. Uh, if cool. you catch my drift, like yeah. they, unless they you count, have, they don't have positional versatility. Right. Oh yeah, I I I forgot about Plumlee. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, he may not be yeah. in the rotation, so it wouldn't. But it, it's funny that. I don't know, Bud's been the coach for so long that there are just certain principles that are like fixed in my brain. Like, you know, the two and the three were basically the same player in Bud's system. The four and the five were basically the same player in Bud's system. And I think that's part, maybe part of the reason. It always seemed like when Bud took a wing and made him a power forward, it was always somebody that had been in the system a couple of years. You know, just familiarity. I think they just you know, it took some time for them to pick it up just to be able to flip that in their brain and know exactly what they were supposed to do at all times. So maybe that was part of it. But I, I've i got to start figuring out, and that's something good to do, you know, in the next couple of months when basically nothing happens. But, you know, try to get a feel for what to expect out of, out of Lloyd Pierce. Just a couple of other notes, and I got another question for you. Um, Alex Len, you know, he's he's not a great rim protector. I think he's like good. You know, he's fine as a rim protector. He's got a seven, four wingspan. You look at his defensive numbers and you know, he's, he's not Rudy Grobert and he's not like, I'm trying to think of the opposite end of the spectrum. Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden was one of the worst. They, they, the Bucks used to play him at center and he was, 
I I don't never mind. I'm having flashbacks, but you know he, he's just middle of the pack defensively, and that's fine. I think that's what you want to do with a young team is focus on offense. You know, just highlight your young players. You know, make sure they have good numbers because you know, other than your top top guys, sort of everybody's a trade chip as you go through a rebuild, and so if they have better numbers, that's that's great. It's a better thing to have. Um, one thing I like about Len, I think that he can do. And not to keep bringing Dwight up, but that's just the one example that's burned in my mind. But what one of the things I think Alex Len can do is that, you know, not only is he a good screen setter, but if he catches the ball on the roll and the help defense has come, he knows how to kick it out to the corner. He can make that short roll pass out to the corners. When Dwight was here for that one season, he did it a couple of times and then they just stopped asking. They basically just made him the baseline guy because they they couldn't trust him to make the passes. Um, I think, I think you know, in a pick and roll system, you can trust trust Alex Len to make those passes out to the corners. And you mentioned Len having a pretty good game, and whether or not he'll shoot three pointers. There was a video of him last week, and you know, I don't, I don't get particularly excited about what guys do in July in an empty gym and post on YouTube, but. Alex Len was shooting three-pointers last week, so that is one thing to note. I have a question for you, going back to defense for a second, though. What kind of defensive pick-and-roll coverage can you put him in? Does it have to be like a drop coverage all the time? Can you, you think you can throw him up to trap or hedge and do other things, or is he pretty much going to be a guy like Powell who, I don't know, you pretty much have to drop him the majority of the time? Uh, that's probably something we're going to find out. I haven't seen enough of Alex Lynn uh, defensively. I just know based on his you know, baseline advanced statistics that he rates as a good defender right. overall. I can't really, I can't really say what, what, to, what, what are his strengths and weaknesses on that end. Uh, when the Hawks did, like the Hawks only played him so many times and you know, he looked like he could move his feet well. So, right. They'll yeah. probably have him a bit more conservative, but you know, not not to the degree that Paul Gasol, Paul Gasol, who just basically can't move. But you can see, you can probably see him see him hedging and uh, rotating back and stuff. I think they'll probably use Alex Lynn the way uh, the Sixers use Joel Embiid defensively. Um, you know, not a trap guy, um, stays back, really just uses length and his his intelligence to just erase, you know, just to deny everything in the paint. So uh, Lloyd Pierce, is, I would suspect the uh, defensive, uh, you know, the defensive system the Hawks are going to use is probably something similar to what the Sixers did. Uh, probably not as much switching, but at the same time, there are some principles that will likely carry over from what, uh, what, what he did in Philly and really what they did in Atlanta because it, it all comes back. That you know they're all from the same coaching tree, the Spurs coaching tree. So, <laughs> right, it's probably not going to be too dissimilar. But uh, you know they're they're, they're not going to ask they're not going to ask Alcindor to be Al Horford and, or right. Paul Millsap trap, right. you know trapping, uh, or you know switch uh, stuff like that. They're they're probably it's probably going to be a fairly traditional hedge and recover uh, system for Alcindor because that. Yeah, he can. If he can do that, then great. You don't really need him to trap. Um, and I think, and I think with him being such a big body, uh, and you know him, it, you know to me his rim protection numbers look you know pretty solid. That you know he would probably help Trey Young out a bit, where Trey Young has a bit a greater Trey Young in the perimeter uh, players when Allen is on the floor have a greater margin of error just because of how huge he is and. You know that that's a that's an imposing factor that you know doesn't get accounted for typically. But uh, I, and I like I re- at the end of the day, I really can't say what the Hawks are going to do with Lynn defensively. Uh, okay. Want to talk about the other Alex? Actually, uh, only in this sense, I. Uh, Portrait, um played at Kentucky. He's been in the, you know, he's. I think he's been on the Pacers G right. League team or some of both. Some way of an, 
he's you know he's a power forward uh you know he's a small ball four if you will and that you he probably came up as a you know you ideally you'd like somebody that of his size to play the three but in today's NBA, he's most definitely a four just based on his offensive game. Uh, pretty athletic, strong defensively. You, uh, just a, you know, a, a better upside to me. To me, this gets back to what the Hawks did with Lynn. Uh, Lynn, ultimately, to me, is a higher upside play than Mike Muscala. And okay. you could probably, Justin Anderson is a, you know, higher upside play to Atonius Cleveland or Jalen Morris. And you can say the same with uh, Porthris to Cleveland, Cleveland Morris because, you know, Porthris offensively is exclusively a four, but, you know, he's a, he's a guy who could probably switch, you know, two through, you know, you know five in some certain situations uh, just due to his length and athleticism and his size as well. And, you know, he's just, he's just a higher caliber basketball player than, to me than uh, – Cleveland and more. So I think, you know, Schlank is looking for upgrades where he can find them in the short term. Um, you can even go back, go as far back to say that that's what the Hawks did with Trey Young over Dennis Schroeder. Just, you know, just, a, you know, Dennis is a fine basketball player, but at the same time, he doesn't have the upside that Trey Young potentially has. So, you know, Schlank, Schlank is looking for, looking to improve this roster and improve the, you know, the higher the higher end outcome of this team as much as he can. And also the, the lower end outcome and Justin Anderson at Portrait's case, because they're probably closer to being, you know, just, just Anderson definitely, but Portrait is probably closer to being an NBA uh, rotation player than uh, either Cleveland or Morris. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, Jalen Morris. I mean, I, he's a good athlete and a very good defender, but, he was always going to be undersized. He's just not that big. He he signed last week to play for I think it was Fiat Torino in Italy. He's going to be coached by Larry Brown and be teammates with Carlos Delfino, of all people. Larry Brown's still coaching at like age seventy six or something, and he's going to coach in Italy. Uh, but you know, good for him. Probably going to make a lot more money than what he would make in the G League. Um, but I just in terms of his NBA future, I. I just think his size was always going to be a limiting factor, even though he was pretty skilled defensively and he just wasn't that good offensively. And I think that's kind of the same thing for Cleveland. I I think Cleveland can be a legitimate NBA defender, but he just, he doesn't have the offensive talent. And I think Poitras just in terms of offensive skill offers a little bit more. I just think he's a little more polished with his footwork offensively. That he can do more things around the basket in terms of you know getting a clean shot at the rim. I just I think he's better. You know they're both really explosive athletes, but I think for for Cleveland, you know it's more of a load up kind of thing. That he doesn't have the footwork that that Poitras has, whereas Poitras, you know, just he's just going to be more polished. He can he can get his shot off better. He shot thirty six percent in his couple of seasons from three. Uh, when he was in the G League, that's his G League numbers. I, I tend to count those a little bit more than his NBA numbers, just because his NBA numbers it's like two minutes a game, five minutes a game. You know, he, he's just paying such a low number of minutes a game that it's hard to get a feel. At least with the G League, he's those were games where he was playing thirty minutes a game, so you know that that was probably a little bit more in rhythm, even if the defense is, you know, by and large overall suck compared to the NBA. But uh, I think he can make a shot from three here and there it's interesting i mean i don't think it's some revelation i mean it's a a two-way contract but i i agree with you in terms of i just think he has a little bit more upside than than those two guys and he's not young he's 24 but he is a really great athlete yeah and that's the and that's the difference he's he's a superior athlete to you know either cleveland or morris and he's bigger he's much bigger he's well over 240 he's a legit you know and he has he has the ability to rise up over through contact and finish at the rim um you know he was a and you know it's just you know at the end of the day he's just to me he's just a better basketball player than either of those guys so uh 
you know, while they were fine, I, I, I liked them for what the, what the Hawks were doing um, towards the end of the season. But, you, you know, if they could, if either, if either, especially if, if Cleveland could hit uh, his three-pointers with higher consistency, then, he, you know, he'd probably still be on, on the roster. But as is, you know, there's no real, real loss with losing him due to the Carmelo trade. So, um, I you know, you know, Portrait just has just flat flatly has a higher upside. The you know, Portrait and Cleveland are the same age, so it's not really, you know, you're not getting a, an age difference and Portrait is probably like you said just a more polished basketball player. His role is more like you can you can possibly say his role as an NBA player is more defined than what Cleveland is, who is still, you know, trying to figure himself out in this league. And uh Cleveland, by the way, got picked up by Chicago, so uh, be interesting to see what he does this season. Yeah, I mean he's a talent. I, you know, I I'd have been fine with you know Cleveland being on the roster. Uh, just you know, to me, Porter's probably better, and also you know he's on a two way, whereas Cleveland was wasn't, and that's probably at the end of the day that's probably the difference as to why Porter's here in Cleveland isn't. Sure, um, you know his his contract his contract kind of kind of hampered. Uh, ultimately, what the Hawks could do with him uh, going forward. So, okay, uh, let's see. We never really wrapped up summer league. Uh, they have Jalen Adams as their other two-way player, and he's he's got some some potential. I think he's a very good shooter. He played at Saint Bonaventures, I want to say, for four years. He can definitely shoot, and you know, looks like he can run an offense, but he's he's not very big. We'll have to see what he looks like defensively. Uh, I imagine that he'll just be the the starting point guard for Erie. Does that sound right? Anything else you see in his game that that stands out to you? Uh, he's a really good shooter. Yeah. Um, good shooter. Uh, he, you know, along with everybody else, he got better as the summer league went on. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a good uh, he's a good upside play to me. I, you know, not much I, else to really say about him. I think he's a better shooter maybe than than what we saw in summer league too. Um like just from watching him off the court, from watching him that day that they had like a 3-hour practice with live 5 on 5 drills. I I don't know, just just based on on the amount of and the volume of shots that you got to see him in a setting like that, I I think he can can be a really good shooter, but we'll have to, we'll have to see and Anybody else? Alpha Kaba, he's going back to France. France, do you think? France. Uh, do you think he'll? Yeah, he'll, especially. You think he'll be going back to that, you know, yeah, the two ways are tied up. Yeah, two ways are tied up, and the Hawks just signed Alex Lynn, who's just you know a better basketball player by a wide margin. So it's you know maybe maybe now that he's healthy, he he can you know refine his game and show something that you know, maybe the Hawks will bring him back. Uh, to Atlanta next season because he, he's got talent, but, you know, he's too much of a project to just give a roster spot to uh, when the Hawks are already kind of packed with big men who who um, have, who just deserve more playing time than he does at the moment. Okay. Any, any other final parting thoughts from Summer League? Because it's already in the distant rearview mirror. Um, you know, just a common criticism that's probably going to be, uh, we're probably going to be hearing until the season starts, which is, is that, you know, Trey Young needs to learn how to play without the ball and to get open looks, to get more catch and shoots because he's a great shooter and he really helped his efficiency if he was able to generate offense in that way, similar to what you, Steph Curry, uh, does. Um, so it's, I wish you know, somebody could have written an article out. that articulated that in a concise manner. Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe I believe. You know, I don't want to get too big into that, but uh, you know, that that's something we're gonna look for going forward. It's it's interesting. It should be noted that Lloyd Pierce comes from a team that did not run the pick and roll at all. Right, Schlank um, too. You know, last season in the Sixers, Schlank and the Golden State Warriors don't run the pick and roll. I do believe the Hawks are going to want to push Trey Young to playing off the ball. 
not not off the ball. He's going to be the point guard, and he's going to run pick and rolls, and he's going to do general point guard things. But they want to see him coming off screens, catch and shoots, moving without the basketball to generate gravity for the rest of the offense. They're going they're going to really push Trey Young into that role. That's why it's why they targeted Jeremy Lin, um, so that you know as a another playmaker that Trey Young can potentially play with. Uh, expect to see, you know, Torian and Kent Bates want to have the ball a lot, a lot, a lot more than what you would think uh, they would have in their hands just based on what Trey Young did at Oklahoma where, you know, he had a ridiculous 37% usage percentage. That's going to come way down. Sure. Um, and the Hawks are going to really try to expand Trey Young's game to really – Open up because if he if he's able to master um, off ball movement, it'll really open up his game even further to, you know, being one of the elite uh, offensive basketball players in the NBA. Because it'll open be everything else. Just a, right, it'll open stuff for everybody else. Yeah, that that and also, uh, you know, it it it'll just it'll just make the offense flow better more than just being a one five or one four pick and roll every off every offensive set. You know, we saw that with, you know, Dennis Schroeder uh, and, and Jeff T these, uh, these couple of years where, you know, when they didn't have the ball, they just didn't do anything. And, you know, so in that sense that the only way you could get value from them as offensive players, they have the ball in their hands all the time. And that, that really limits your options as a, as a basketball team. Um, so look, look for trade, look for the Hawks really early and often to get, Trey Young coming off screens, Trey Young setting screens, just have him do some stuff off the ball to really juice up his game. All right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, along those lines, like you said, I, I'm, I'm a, totally agree that you're going to see Torian with the ball in his hands a lot and probably base more a bunch too. If, if both players are healthy, how many minutes a game do you think, you know, again, this is saying, you know, if they don't like, if neither one of them gets hurt for twenty games or twelve games or something like that, how many minutes a game do you think Jeremy Lin and Trey Young play together, or are they pretty much one for the other when it's substitution time? Um, I don't know. It's hard to project because you know doing that you're taking minutes away from uh, Kevin Herter, who's probably exclusively a two at the moment, who may play some three. Um, so. We'll see, probably around 10 minutes, maybe five, probably more five than 10 a game. Uh, it might be more. It, 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 depends on how, it depends on how good Torrent. R- really, the Jeremy Lin, um, Trey Young, how much they play together, it really is going to depend on how well Torian plays with the ball in his hand uh, this upcoming season. Because I think they're going to want – they're really going to want to see if, if what – Torian Prince did the last month and a half was a trend instead of a blip um, as a playmaker because, you know, he was just much improved as a scorer with the ball in his hands. And I think uh, it'll, it'll help. It'll really help both Torian and Trey as basketball players if they're able to develop a type of chemistry uh, with, with, you know, Torian setting him up to score, setting Trey Young up to score and vice versa. So, Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, because I mean, not only was Prince, I mean, Prince was getting up a high volume of threes and really setting himself up to score well. Like, if you look at his numbers for like the last couple months of the season, or just starting from when Dennis Schroeder got hurt, his three point numbers, you know, after the All Star break, were just phenomenal. Like, and not only was he like getting a bunch of threes and making a nice percentage of threes. He was taking deep threes, so if Trey Young can work off the ball while Torian Prince is setting up shop twenty-eight feet from the basket, you know, there's going to be all kinds of space, right? They, when the Hawks, when Lloyd Pierce first got hired, you know, within a week, I want to say, you know, there was a four-point line painted on the practice floor, and you know, they want to have that kind of spacing, you know, whatever it was the Sixers were doing to use spacing, and part of that was bringing in Marco Bellinelli to loosen things up for the last couple of months. But, you know, they, they want that spacing and, and, you know, Trey Young could be a unique weapon off the ball. 
All right, we've blathered on long enough. Uh, anything you want to put into the ending today as we do our usual uh, clumsy dance out of here? Uh, remember, everybody who's listening, just you know, give us a five rating and a nice little comment review. Um, outside of that, don't have much for you guys. It's you know, free agency is pretty much over now, so you know, it's nothing really that much exciting going on in the NBA world. Um, and you know, that's really. That that really bites, but you know the Braves are good. So if you if you're a fan of Atlanta sports, you can always watch the Braves and United play some good uh some good ball, if you will. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, watch watch those United games or go outside, come to Briarwood Gym and play basketball. Get some get some exercise or get some sun or something. I don't know about the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my boy Dansby plays, man. That's my team. All right, all right. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, thank you very much, Tyler. Have a good one. You too.